I came across this sort of funny story that was allegedly told by Tom Brokaw. Now, uh, Tom Brokaw is, for many of you know, one of our famous news icons, and he was telling this story, and it started in the early days of his career when he first arrived in New York. He had just been promoted to the co-host of the Today Show, and the Today Show was like the morning television show of the day. He said he was walking through Bloomingdale's one day, and he was really feeling proud of himself, and he was, you know, kind of really stepping into this new role. He said he'd been an anchor in, like, Omaha on the news, and he had been to L.A., and then he went to Washington, but, like, now he was at, like, the big time. So he's walking through the mall, and he notices there's this man who's watching him really closely. And he's like, wow, this, this guy's watching me. This, this is it. I'm getting ready to step into what it's like to live national celebrity, right? Well, the guy comes up to him and he says, you're Tom Brokaw, right? And he's like, yeah, right, I am. And he said, you know, you were on the WKM something or other in Omaha, Nebraska, weren't you? And he's like, yeah, that was me. That, that was me. And the guy goes, yeah, you know, I knew it the minute I spotted you. He said, so like, whatever happened to you in your career? (laughs) Yeah. Well, today we find ourselves in a story with a pride-filled commander who, like Tom Brokaw, got a dose of his own humility. We're in the final story of our worship series, God's Secret Agents, and we have our two main characters, Naaman, uh, the incurable commander, and then we have the prophet Elijah. We also have two servants in the story as well. Naaman was the commander. He was the commander of the Syrian army, an enemy of the Israelites. He was a pretty big deal, and he also had a pretty big disease. He had a skin disease of which there was no cure. And as we heard in the story today, the Israelite servant girl suggested to Naaman's wife that he go and find the prophet in Israel, that he might be healed. And so Naaman went off, as scripture tells us. He got a letter from the king, he took with him some gifts, And he headed out so that he might permitted to see this prophet and get healing. You see, carrying a letter and bringing gifts was customary, especially when you're trying to ask for something from your known enemy. And off he went. The letter arrived to the king of Israel. The scripture tells us that when the king of Israel read the letter, he himself wasn't so sure about letting uh, Elisha get his hands on Nahum. But Elijah sent a word of correction to him, helping to soften the king of Israel's heart to permit Naaman to come. And so scripture tells us that Naaman went to see Elisha. And when he arrived, listen to what happened. In verse 10, Elijah sent a messenger out to Naaman saying, Go, wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. Pretty straightforward, right? He wanted to be healed. There was the prescription. Go get wet. Pretty simple, you think? 
But it's interesting because Nahum didn't respond with joy or generosity. No, instead, he got mad. Scripture tells us this in verse 11. Nahum became angry and he went away saying, I thought that for me, he would have surely come out and stand and call on the name of his God and would have waved his hand over the spot and cured my leprosy. I mean, how arrogant was that? I mean, Nahum wanted Elijah to come out himself and he wanted some magic wand to be waved so he didn't have to go and get wet. He wanted it his way because he believed he deserved something better and he didn't want to have to do what was necessary to get healed. Ouch. I got to tell you, when I heard that, I could hear his pride. But I also knew that pride, I'd heard that pride in here every now and again too. You know, if we're honest, I think we all can relate to that kind of arrogance, pride-filled spirit that resides in each of us. You see, while Naaman needed a physical healing, he needed something greater. He needed the healing of his spirit. And he was humbled to go get wet. And he was cured of his leprosy. But he also got something much greater. A greater healing occurred because he saw God. Listen to what the scripture tells us. He went down and he immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all of his company. And he stood before him and he said, Now I know there is no God in all the earth except Israel. Accept a gift from your servant. Naaman experienced God. I heard this fable, this fable from South America. I don't know if any of you have heard of this. It's a South American fable about, fable about llamas. They serve as a cultural metaphor for pride. Yes, you see, to keep a herd of llamas corralled, you don't need a fence. All you need is one rope circling the herd to keep them enclosed. You see, just by placing the rope at the height beneath the head and the base of the neck, the llamas are secured in this makeshift pen. You see, rather than stooping below the rope, the llamas remain stall and they remain captive. They either refuse or they are physically incapable of bending their knee and thus they're seen as a symbol of arrogance. You see, these proud llamas, they won't bow their heads or bend a knee. They hold their heads up high and they remain captive even when they're just inches away from freedom. Nahum, his stick neck held him captive. Not about his physical healing, but his spiritual one. And I think that can be true for us as well. I love how one writer put it. He said, humility is the chiropractic remedy when our necks are stiff and incapable of bending. You know, I think humility can be a gift. 
It has the potential to provide healing and wholeness to the broken parts of our lives and to the broken parts of the systems of our world. Humility begins when we empty ourselves of ourselves. You know, the word humility comes from the Latin word humus, which means dirt. Now, please do not hear me say that I want us to think or relate to ourselves as dirt or being dirty. I don't think humility is about millinizing our gifts or our talents or the goodness of who God made us to be. But when I think of dirt, I think of the earth, you know, earthy. For when we say we're humble, we can see ourselves as grounded, connected to the earth, connected to the foundation of creation. For we're not better or worse than anyone else, but we are connected and we are interdependent on the other and God. And when we humble ourselves before God and others, whether it's in our minds or our bodies or our spirits, well, I think we allow healing to take place. So the question becomes, how do we get humble, right? Now, how many of you have talked about when somebody says, well, are you humble? Well, how do you know if you're humble? Because if you say you're humble, then you're not really humble because you think that you're humble. So you're thinking of more than yourself than you are. And so, oh my goodness, how do I figure this out, right? Well, I wonder if the goal is not to try to measure our humility, but instead, how do we find ways to practice our humility? For when we practice humility, that's when we engage and being connected and interdependent and serving others. I liked how one writer put it, the same writer as before. He said, the goal is not to know if you are humble, but to live as a servant, to give your life away for the good of others, regardless of personal benefit or consequence. Humility was to just focus ourselves on living a life as a servant for the sake of others. When I saw that, I recognized that there were two other characters in our story today that actually lived out this practice of humility, and it was found in the two servants. I saw the catalyst of Nahum's healing coming from each of them through their humble acts. I mean, first we had the servant girl. The servant girl had been taken captive from Israel by Naaman's army. And she was now serving as Naaman's wife's servant. Her life as she knew it had been taken from her. And yet she provided the... the, the potential cure for Naaman's leprosy. She risked voicing herself out and calling out that there might be a cure for you over there. And so she reached out to find a way to cure her captor. And I think she also knew that he might see God. The second servant in this story was Naaman's servant. You see, after Naaman had that little pouting session where he didn't get his way with what he thought he needed to have done, well, his servant came to him with a word of correction. Now, Naaman was a commander of the army, and his servant was willing to risk speaking the truth and love to his commander so that he might be healed. Listen to what Scripture says, he told him. 
His servant said, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was, wash and be clean. So his servant went up to him and basically said, get over yourself, get down to the water, be cleaned and be healed. Isn't that what we came here for? I mean, that took guts. That took courage. These two servants, they they trusted in something beyond themselves and they courageously were willing to risk their own life for the healing of another person. I have to think when we offer ourselves up to God, both personally and corporately, to pursue the path of servanthood, that we can find ourselves practicing humility and we too can become like these two servants. God's secret agents for healing and transforming work in this world. You know, as Christ followers, we seek to live a life that aligns with Christ, right? I mean, we, we seek to live a life where the character and reflection of Christ's image comes back to us in our lives. We're each created in the image of God. We're given unique gifts and talents, different personalities, And we all also have a spirit. And when that spirit is in alignment with God, it can produce the fruit of spirit. It can produce the character of Christ. And it can be a beautiful and wonderful thing. And the truth is, we also have vices, don't we? And those vices can keep us separated from God, like greed and foolishness and pride. A mentor of mine and his brother, they... They developed what they call this character matrix, a tool to help us live into and move from our vices to our virtues in Christ. It comes from the book Uprising. For example, they talk about to move from greed to generosity. We need to allow the spirit, ask the spirit to help us cultivate gratitude. To move from foolishness to wisdom. We invite the spirit to help us cultivate faithfulness. And to move from pride to courage, well, we invite the Spirit to help us cultivate humility. To move from pride to courage, and we can enlist the power of the Spirit to help us cultivate humility. Where courage is not the absence of fear, but courage becomes the absence of self I'm talking about the Jesus kind of courage. You know, the kind of courage where we risk beyond ourselves for the sake of others and for the world. The kind of courage that allows us to move from our self-centeredness to live generous and creative lives. Like the servants in this story, I want to center my daily life more on living out of servanthood. As the writer said, to release more of my life for the good of others, regardless of personal benefit or consequence. But I also know I'm going to need God's power to do it because on my own, I'm going to need some help to enact that kind of love and grace on a daily basis. But what would happen if we all focused a greater intention on cultivating humility and servanthood into just our daily rhythm and routine. Think about it. 
If you're in a broken relationship in your marriage or a friendship or your family, wouldn't a little dose of humility from you or the other person go a long way in bringing healing? Wouldn't a little more humility in our careers transform the way we treat others, the way we set goals, look at the things we value in our workplace? What about a little more humility between countries and leaders and our nations? That might remind us of our interconnected independence on each other and it could even transform policies and even affect the brutal cycles of war and violence. And we can't leave out our churches. Wouldn't a little more humility in our churches and denominations and faith go a long way and bringing about some of the brokenness that's occurred by our divisions. I believe that when our souls move out of pride and can cultivate humility, that regardless of the circumstances of our lives, we can become healed. I believe that every act of love, every act of humility can have a ripple effect because we're grounded and we're connected, right? This passage this week reminded me of two things. Sometimes our physical healing does occur the way we want it. And sometimes it doesn't. But the thing is, the healing of our spirit, that's always possible. And that's always possible in and through the person of Jesus Christ. In the fable of the South American llamas, they wouldn't bow their heads or bend a knee. They held their heads up high and they remained prisoners when they were just inches away from freedom. How tragic would it be for us if we never bowed our hearts to Jesus in this life when we are just inches away from the freedom and the life that is meant for us to live? Which took me to the second lesson. When we bow our hearts to Christ... And we allow ourselves to be washed clean and to live as servants as others. Then, then freedom and life become possible for you and for me and for our world in ways we never could have imagined. And so, this week, my prayer is that the healing power of Jesus take root in your life, in my life, and in the life of this church. And may that have a ripple effect on the love and the humility that Christ offers to us. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, you resist the proud. And you give grace to the humble. Grant us the virtue of true humility. Christ showed us the pattern of humility in his life. A, a pattern of faithfulness and wisdom. Generosity and grace. May we become healed from those places in our lives where our stiff necks are keeping us prisoners to your love. Teach us humility so that we might live with a spirit of humble courage and become the creative beings 
you designed us to be.